Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Still a little extra spring in this step, man, because it is just downright springy outside. This is incredible. I mean, it's so warm. This is how warm it is. Do you feel that, Steve? The air conditioning is actually working. I just heard it come on. Yeah. I mean, I I went home yesterday and opened the windows up to let fresh air in. First time I can ever remember. We've lived in that house for 17 years. First time I can ever remember doing that on January 31st. I mean, it's crazy. We went from the worst winter weather I can ever remember a few weeks ago to the best winter weather I can ever remember now. (laughs) And, you know, I, I was kidding about this off the air with you guys yesterday. But maybe you can add this to your prayer list. Uh, I, my, here, I have a proposal, <clears throat> uh, a, a humble proposal, uh, a, a humble Abrahamic proposal, similar to when uh, Father Abraham negotiated with our Father in heaven over the poor, uh, wretched souls of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. I have a humble proposal. All right. Winner. It's needed, right? Particularly like in agricultural stage, right? You, you need, that, you need that, uh, that, that moisture and precipitation buildup for the coming spring and planting, right? Okay, winter, I'm not saying we don't have it, okay? Winter, but it's three weeks. It's the worst three weeks you can imagine. It's like, it's like God instructs Mother Nature to purge. Just purge. Blizzards, it's awful, it's terrible. The kind of cold that we had during uh, the caucuses here a few weeks ago, the three blizzards, the blizzard a week that we had in those three weeks, every year that's coming. You can, you know, it's coming, you prep for it. It's on its way. All right. And then the rest of, once it's done, that the, the system has got, the creation's gotten it out of its system and we slowly begin building back up to normalcy. That is my proposal to yeah. our heavenly father. And I'm, I'm sure he hasn't thought of this and I'm just going to, I'm going to see where it goes. If you guys could add that to your prayer list. That's my kind of winner. You don't live outside in a tent, do you? <laughs> no, why? You live in a regular house that's heated, yes. right? Yeah. And you drive like five minutes and... It's more eight, like eight and a half, but yeah. Eight and a half. Yeah. Okay, I'm just... Like, I mean, you're doing okay. I think my, I, I, I'm doing very okay right now. Yeah. Because it's 56 degrees outside. Yeah, so but I'm doing great. You're doing okay when yeah. it's zero because there's... Not as okay. Not as okay. Why? More okay. More okay. Because it's not desolation right now. I mean, I'm seeing green grass. What do you think of my proposal, Aaron? Do you think, uh, what, do you, how, what do you think the chances are that that prayer and supplication uh, could be considered from on high? What, that we can manipulate nature? Isn't that what we're talking about on Theology Thursday today? Is it? Okay. Yeah, we're going to have to pray. Oh, we're going to have to pray. <laughs> we're going to have to pray for you, not with you. <laughs> okay. Well, I tried. I kind of like my idea. Just three weeks of hell. Desolation, it hell. get it all out of your system. It wasn't hell. And it then was we just chilly. slowly begin building back up. It, it was dreadful. I mean, it hurt your George lungs Washington to breathe. In, was in this room right now, crossing the Delaware in the cold of winter. What would he, th- what would he say right now, Todd? You're fired. <laughs> I think if George Washington crossed the Delaware today, it would be to go and kick whoever's in charge of the Senate's ass for letting a dude take it up the ass in the Senate. 
Okay, that's I think that's montage, probably yeah. that's, that's probably that's... what George Washington would do. Okay, <laughs> that might be first on that's his a, list. That's a segue. You think that? I think that might be first on his list. That's okay? a segue. All right. Yes, it is, and it's where we are, unfortunately. Uh, coming up on the show today, Aaron mentioned Theology Thursday. Uh, my daughter Anastasia will be here with three non-political questions. I still like my winner proposal. I don't care what Erzin says. Okay, I think it's a great idea. Smashing, in fact. Uh, and then at the bottom of the hour. Tom Woods will join us. Uh, He's got a new book about what happened during COVID and why. And we will discuss that with him here in about 30 minutes. But first, let's get to Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by a final victory. A federal judge has handed down a loss for Disney and a win for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, dismissing Disney's lawsuit against DeSantis over the loss of a long-standing planning district, ruling that Disney lacked standing to bring the suit. U.S. District Judge Alan Windsor said Disney's claims of injury resulting from the appointment of board members to a new district created by Florida lawmakers was, quote, in the past, and said the company failed to show damages from specific actions the new board has taken or will take because of the governor's alleged control of it. The judge also ruled DeSantis and other lawmakers did not violate Disney's First Amendment right to free speech after they criticized a parental rights and education bill. Also in Florida, DeSantis announced this morning that Florida state troopers have have apprehended over 150,000 illegals via their work in Texas and announced he's sending more Florida personnel to the Lone Star State. Go back to January 20th, 2021. Uh, What does Joe Biden do as soon as he gets into office? He opens the southern border, really to invite people uh, to come in. And so we've seen a huge increase uh, over many years, and now it's as bad as it's ever been at the southern border. These illegals don't even need photo ID. They can fly on our planes without photo ID. You talk about putting the American people last. What the hell are we doing in this country? It is a total farce. This week, we are exposed to security camera footage of a mob of illegals in New York City beating the crap out of an NYPD officer near Times Square. Those five illegals were apprehended and then released without bail. Here's how one of the illegals reacted after being released. For those of you listening and can't see what's on the screen, that's a photograph of the criminal and illegal alien flipping the double bird to the camera after being released without bail for beating a police officer. Lovely. Back in Washington, U.S. Capitol Police now say they will not charge Anyone involved in the production of a sodomy video in a Senate hearing room you may remember from late last year or tried to forget. They say there was no evidence a crime was committed. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the more money we send to Ukraine, the more money we send to Ukraine. The matter here is very simple, as President Zelensky told us in December. Ukraine will win the war against Russia if more aid is approved by Congress. But if no more aid is approved, Putin will win. A study of so-called transgender patients made the rounds this week. It was published in the National Institutes of Health database. It shows the frequency of personality disorders amongst that group is nearly 90 percent. The most common being narcissistic personality disorder at just over 57 percent of those claiming to be something other than their own biology. Learning Chinese today. Today's phrase is my pronouns aren't preferred. They are mandatory. 我的代词不是首选，而是强制性的。
Utah has become the latest state to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion practices from state institutions. Governor Spencer Cox signed House Bill 261, which prohibits universities, the public education system, and the state government from engaging in discriminatory DEI practices. Radio host Megan Kelly is now claiming COVID jab manufacturer Moderna is upset with her, and she explained why in a recent episode. Thanks to Lee Fang, who did an investigation, and uh, he has revealed that Moderna was very, very upset, among other things, about the fact that I said on this show that after I had gotten my third COVID shot, my booster, which you needed in order to operate in New York to do anything, um, I developed a positive on an autoimmune test that my general practitioner gave me. And then I had to go to a rheumatologist and all this stuff. I, I revealed it on the show. And th I got targeted by Moderna, who was very worried that this would add to the growing concern around autoimmune disorders following COVID-19 vaccinations. They're admitting internally that it's a problem, but they're upset that I am talking about it. And Alex Berenson and Russell Brand and Michael Schellenberger and Dr. Jay Bhattacharya are talking about it, Glenn, because they don't want it discussed. And finally, this headline from the Babylon Bee, Iowa charges God with hate crime for casting Satan into the lake of fire. And that's what happened while we were away. Tough, tough but fair. <clears throat> you know, we're not like uh, some of you who got upset when we kept pointing out the last few years you could mess with Texas and call the email to defend your state um, and make excuses for it. Yeah, I was not doing so hot right now. now. Iowa deserves every crack at it you have right now. Bring deserves it. it all. For, yep. what, for, what's, for what's transpired here in the month of January, really going back to last Christmas with the satanic display and the, the forget the outcome, just the meager I mean, I, I thought turnout would be down, but, you know, I hate to sound like Todd. We do have winter every year here. OK, it's not a recent development, you know. All right. Uh, I mean, to have 14 percent turnout. That's at the most election of my lifetimes. 14 percent showed up. 14. 14. 14. Satanic displays, 14% turnout of the most important election of our lifetimes. Uh, let's, let's charge the guy who tore down the satanic display with a hate crime. And yeah, <clears throat> we're, we're on a, to quote the great prophet to Clint Black, we're on a good run of bad luck right here uh, in the state of Iowa. This, is, this has not been a good last, say, 40, 50 days or so. So by all means, pile on. We deserve it all. We deserve it all right now. We do. And you never know. Might shame some people into uh, getting back on the, uh, the right path here by doing so. <clears throat> Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Daniel and family sent me this note. Not our Daniel, a different Daniel. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sent me this note last night. Wanted to send uh, along some positive feedback for the team at Jace Medical. Thank you guys so much for putting them on our family's radar. We recently returned to the USA after living abroad for work for several years. And uh, our, to get our health care plan reestablished here in the U.S. came with a gap uh, with the start date of some re reoccurring prescriptions that we needed to manage. And the Jace team, man, they stepped up to fill that gap and delivered. The pricing was great. Communication was clear. The doctor who reviewed our records was very efficient. And we're now set up with even a year's stock of the meds that we need. So that's great stuff. Uh, thank you, Daniel. And that's what they do at Jace Medical. They, they paid attention to what happened during COVID and realized, hey, here's what can happen when you just completely outsource your health care to a government that all too often you simply can't trust. That's why. 
You can customize the Jace case for the meds you need or for a loved one right now at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E is where you want to go. Jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E. Use the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code DACE at checkout at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Promo code DACE. All right, let's go to Aaron's montage next. And... You know, there's, there's, let me pause and say this. I asked the man we're about to discuss here for a minute, this very question on this show, a little more than a week ago, and he, and his answer was, let's make sure we even have a country four years from now. So I say that with that disclaimer and acknowledgement. But people that have pointed out, hey, People who didn't uh, who didn't win Iowa, who finished second for the nomination or what have you, you know, uh, Ted Cruz had no presidential future. Mike Huckabee, no presidential future. Rick Santorum, no presidential future. Uh, We're not. There's other things in the montage I want us to discuss more in depth. But but what's going on right now with Ron DeSantis, I I just want to make this point. Number one, um, we could have been telling the country about uh, destroying Disney and bringing it and bending bringing it to knee but no no you guys you guys wanted to tell the country about E. Jean Carroll instead so we're going to do that and that'll be a fun 278 days everybody what'd you think good I saw we saw the former president spent uh, 28 million dollars on legal fees so that's okay we, we could have done this this these this could have been the conversation we had we chose to have another conversation that almost really nobody wants to have. So, okay, cool. We'll play it out. Hope you're right. Hope you're right. But I'm telling you now, if it come, turns around that 279, I, I told you guys two weeks ago, I sincerely hope you guys flood my inbox 279 days from, from today and say, told you this was the right road. We should have done this all along. I hope you're right. Because let me tell you what's going to happen if you're not. That conversation cuts both ways, does it not? Sure. Yeah. I think you hear me knocking. And if I'm right, I'll be coming in. Okay? Because what's different from Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee and Rick Santorum, those guys had no real platforms for an agenda. Uh, Rick Santorum was out of politics, held no office. Mike Huckabee was out of politics, held no office. Ted Cruz was in office, but he was a back-benching senator a junior senator for uh, a caucus run by Mitch McConnell. So that's almost like not having an office, frankly, if you're ever being honest. You can give speeches and stuff, but you're not, you're not doing much there. I mean, anything that you and I would want, you know, McConnell uh, will just get together with whoever the Democrat uh, is in charge there and fully uh, uniparty that son of a gun fair. So it's, it's basically an excuse. Being a U.S. senator right now is essentially an excuse to, if, if you're, well, if you're one of our kinds of senators, if you're Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, all right, uh, Tommy Tuberville, Ron Johnson, if, let's just be brutally honest. If you're in that group, it's just, an, it's just a path to get on Fox News to get a message out. Fair? That's all you're doing. They, oh. Fox News has to book you when if you, when, if you, when if you weren't a senator, they would ignore you. All right. But since you're a senator, they have to book you. OK. And, and, and it gives you and that, I'm not saying that's not important. It gets a message out, but it's not really impacting any policy on a meaningful basis that impacts anybody's lives at all. 
because you're unevenly yoked. You know, you have the yeast of the Pharisees there. Uh, the people that are running the thing, um, you know, are terrible. So you can be great all you want. You can be on message all you want. I mean, Rand's a great example. Name me a senator that's been more on message consistently the last few years than Rand Paul has been. I don't think there has been one, frankly. But can you name me one singular policy for that's made the country better during that time that he's been allowed to, to, to shepherd, to lead? No. No, you can't. You can name me books he's written. We got one of them sitting right over there behind you, right? You can find me clips of when he's been on Fox News or other shows and things have gone viral. You can find me clips of things he's asked, you know, or, and cornered Anthony Fauci about, right? Okay. But has he been empowered then after said cornering of Fauci to do anything substantive about it? No. 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 You know, I mean, to use a, a since it's Theology Thursday, let me use an analogy. This is the, ver- this is a, the political version of the sin of Onan. Now, who was Onan? In the Old Testament, Onan is a gentleman that doesn't want to perform uh, his, 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 his God-given duty as a kinsman redeemer to care for his sister's widow and their children. And so when he goes to consummate the relationship with her, he doesn't want to get her pregnant because that would force him to be bound to her. Uh, and, would, and, and, and so instead what he does, it says there in the scriptures, pulls out and spills his semen on the ground. And God struck him dead for that, by the way, for trying to get around the, his, you know, lawful obligation. But in many respects, <clears throat> that's what guys like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul are forced. To, I mean, Tommy Tuberville tried to do some good stuff with what he was doing with putting a hold on all those nominees, right? They all just bandied together and betrayed him and made him stop. I mean, it, nothing's being consummated. Messages are being sent. Good messages, messages we agree with. But there's no follow through. In this case, though, with Mr. DeSantis, there is. He's just gone right back to Florida, which right now, given the failure theater that is the Republican narrow majority in Congress, and given the fact the Republican senators are still run by Mitch McConnell, this is the most high profile governing position in the Republican Party right now as governor of Florida. I know, yeah. I mean, he is in the headlines every single day, just taking ass and kicking names just every day, every day. I mean, dude didn't take a month off or va- I got a download disappointing campaign. I would get away with the f- dude just went right back. Legislative session just went right back to doing what he's always done. If anything, he's more in the news now. <laughs> than he was when he was running for president. So that is something to keep an eye on moving forward into the future. All right. Can I just quickly say to Chuck Schumer, if you give me the money, I will tell you that Ukraine can win too. If that's all we're looking for is to have someone tell us that Ukraine could win if you give them the money, I got to tell you. In fact, this one won't cost you like 70 billion. How about just one? One billion? How much for one billion? How many times do I tell you Ukraine's going to win for one bill? I'll just do it. I just, I just want one bill, okay? I'll tell you Ukraine can win too for the money. Fair? That's, why I, I, I'm, I, that's a price I'm willing to pay. Coattails, buy. baby. Yeah, Coattails. Indeed. indeed. Um, okay. If there was, we may have to retire permanently 
Metaphor alert. If there was ever a metaphor alert. Ever. If there was ever an event that perfectly encapsulated a situation, a moment in time, a place in history, ever, ever. It has to be a dude bent over a desk in the U.S. Senate so that he can get plowed up his rectum by another dude and they filmed it. And nobody's, nobody, nobody's getting in trouble for it. No, there's, there's, no, there's no accountability for it. Now, rest assured, if you dress up as the Minnesota Vikings mascot on the wrong day, slip into Nancy Pelosi's office and put your feet on her desk, <laughs> you also are getting bent over so that another dude can plow your rectum. But it'll be in a prison, and the game will be called Soap on a Rope. If, however, you do it while working for the U.S. Senate, you're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home. That's where we are. The metaphors just write themselves. See, I, I have a, I'm going to give you a surprising take on this. I don't believe a crime was committed. I don't. I think something way more cosmic occurred. This is the perfect metaphor for the current relationship that we have with our government and what is going on in this culture. Because bending people over and plowing them up the rear is pretty much what the United States Senate does to the rest of us every day of the week, year-round, when they actually meet, which isn't often, frankly. Otherwise, we'd all be walking even more bow-legged than we already are. I, I will go even a step further, and I will tell you, not punishing a Senate aide for filming himself getting railed for an amateur homosexual porn shoot upon the very desks and chairs that U.S. senators, their staffers, their sugar daddies, I'm sorry, this is on, uh, uh, sit upon and never work on. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the most honest, I guess we'll call it, statement. This is the most honest statement that has emanated from the bowels of the United States Senate in many a moon. <laughs> I was, I was going to keep a straight face and then you lost it and then I couldn't. I don't even know if you did that on purpose. I don't care. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I am serious. 
<laughs> that. <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm serious. <laughs> this is all we have left. All we have left is this. There is no accountability. There is no justice. Everyone does what is wise in their own eyes. All we have left is to mock it. And frankly, at our own expense. That's all we have. That's all that's left. Yesterday, yesterday, the United States Congress just decided again to fund everything that supposedly is the reason why this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And I'm mocking myself now when I say this because I said it all last year, okay? So now I'm just mocking myself, okay? This is all, this is, this is all that's left. All that's left at this point is just sheer mockery. That's all that's left. Because the truth of the matter is that's the most honest thing that's occurred in the U.S. Senate in a long time. That's not perversion. That's not depravity. Oh, well, let me take that back. That is perversion. That is depravity. But in this case, it's also branding. In more ways than one. It is branding. It is where we are. And in 2022, we had a this is the most election of our lifetimes. And almost every incumbent in the entire country that bent us over a desk treated small ten, tens of thousands of small business owners violated them the same way that that Senate page got violated. Our mental health, our cancer screenings, the invention of and then coercive mandate upon a po- of a poison. All the same people that did this to us, guys. All of them. In 2022, what happened? When there, when there was a chance, when there was a chance to, to take a stand and do something about it, we had an election in 2022. How many of those incumbents who were on the, I mean, uh, they're, on the, they're on the pitching end mm. of, 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 of that exchange while the rest of us were the catchers, if you know what I'm saying, okay? How many of those that were on the pitching end, how many of those tops, how many of those were taken out by the bottoms? How many? Almost none of them were. Almost none of them. Anywhere. Anywhere in America. So, yes. It is government by the consent of the governed. Always. Meaning we always get the government we deserve. And in our current state, we are basically that Senate page. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Tell me I'm wrong. Of course you're not. Of course you're not. Little anecdote uh, from uh, right here back in Iowa. So you can write more jokes about our state yesterday. Uh, I I thought it was a step forward in the right direction, understanding how much uh, work has been accomplished in the last two years by Iowa Republicans. Well, they flat out put forward that uh, gender identity should be stripped. I mentioned this on the show uh, a couple days ago uh, from the Iowa Civil Rights Code. And this comes right with the timing here. As it went to committee yesterday, 
new evidence came out of what we all know, but 85% of uh, transgendered adults have severe narcissistic personality disorder. You don't say. Wow. You don't say. Yet this went to committee and they just voted it down 3 nothing. Apparently like learning nothing from the last few years. So keep writing the jokes about Iowa because it's not as if we didn't just have a devil statue standing proudly in the Capitol. Hey, we're Alistair Begg. The accountability is an ongoing mechanism. It never ends. We were freaking killing it for about three or four years yeah. here, right? Yeah. Just nailing everything you could imagine. Right now, we're getting nailed. So the fact that we were doing great in 2021 doesn't mean anything right now in 2024. We are, we, so we're not Alistair Begg. We're not saying, hey, because I did a lot of good things before, don't hold me accountable no, for, no no, 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 no. What's going on here now is extremely troubling, as a matter of fact. This is bearing repeating once more. Um, you don't say. It's, uh, it's um, a takeoff of your nation of laws thing. Our elected representatives are not aberrations from the people and never have been. They are reflections of the people and always will be. So that's another way of saying we are still. We are still. Uh, we get the government we deserve. We, we always do. We always will and always have. This is not the story I thought you were going to hone in on. I didn't know what you were going to hone in on, but we spent 20 minutes talking about it. Name a body of people who are basically worthless, don't really do their jobs as uh, civic leaders, or just don't really do their job as citizens. Uh, kind of spend the, the their, their time dawdling around, don't really take the right things seriously. I'm talking about us, not the Senate. Yeah. So. Amen. There's that. There is that. We'll come back and relive what was done to us that no one will be held accountable for in a moment. here on the Steve Day Show, and we are joined now by, I think, uh, one of the smarter guys I've ever encountered in this business, Tom Woods. He is a best-selling author, has uh, a, a fairly uh, prodigious podcast himself, and this is a, a prodigious uh, effort as well. Diary of a Psychosis is his latest book, How Public Health Disgraced Itself During COVID Mania. 400 pages and i'm guessing given all that went on those few years he could have actually written 400 more uh tom it is good to have you with us brother how are you steve i'm really glad to be here and incidentally i'm saying this not just to flatter the host but you've been unbelievably courageous not just on this issue but frankly in the gop primary knowing for a fact that you were going to lose supporters and become uh, less popular than you were, and you just did what you thought was right. I mean, how many people are there like that in the world these days? Like ten? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I appreciate that, or I'm not smart. One of those. One of those two. But I <laughs> I do I do appreciate that, Tom. That means a lot, brother. Thank you very much. Um, uh, and, but some good things came out of that. You know, uh, some networks and connections. You know, last night we did uh, our second uh, Twitter Space money bomb for a guy I know that you know, Congressman Thomas Massey. 
And we've raised in these two uh, just Twitter spaces, you know, just amongst, you know, less than a thousand people. We've raised over sixty thousand dollars for his reelection campaign, you know. And so those relationships and connections uh, and that would have not, you know, occurred without, you know, uh, other people being willing uh, to also swim against the tide. So I appreciate well, that. Let me say, Steve, by the way, I know it's not what we're talking about today, but what happened to Thomas Massey? is just preposterous the way he's been treated mm -hmm. uh, by Trump followers. It's just incredible that he's, he's an extremely impressive person on every level and highly principled and harder core than they are on everything they profess to care about. And the way he's been kicked to the curb is so unbelievably shameful that mm -hmm. I'm really glad to hear about what you just told me. No, that's good. To, I, I agree with you. That's why we did it, because he deserves it. Let's get to the book. I want to start with the title. The use of the term psychosis. Why did you choose that term and apply it to this story? I actually got criticized early on by by mental health advocates who thought that I was making fun of people who had psychoses. But at least I can sort of understand people who have legitimate psychoses. I use this word to describe what happened because certainly in my lifetime, Steve, I can't recall a situation in which evidence seem to do so little and in which people seem to be hungry for bad news. I would share good numbers. I would say, look, look at this state that yep. opened up and yep. the numbers are great. Yep. Uh, we should all be rejoicing. And it was like people didn't want that. How do you not want good news? Or when I would watch the news coverage of Sweden. Now, you would think people might say, I disagree with the relatively laissez-faire position that Sweden is taking by not locking down, and I think they're wrong, but you know, let's pray to God that their strategy works because otherwise it could be really bad. They, they didn't never ever talk like that. No, they wanted to fail. It was almost like yeah. they were Yeah, you know, right? I mean, like that they were dying for for carnage. Like that's not normal. You're so right about that. And that was one of the pivot points that blew my mind in this story is when the sudden appearance of masks as the panacea for all of this in the summer of 2020. And, and, and I went back and looked at every study that, had, that I could find that's been done in, in recent times, or even going back to the 1918 flu, uh, flu epidemic, where they tried masks there too, and they, they, didn't, they failed in real time. And, and there wasn't a single, I mean, even studies that were done as recently as 2019 were pointing out, cloth masks are no resistance to respiratory contagions on any level whatsoever. They don't work, which sort of explained why we didn't wear masks every cold and flu season our whole lives, like in school when we were growing up. They didn't hand out masks in December. Hey, it's cold and flu season. You know, wear your mask till Easter. You know, they, we, how come we never wore masks? Because they tried it during the Spanish flu. Didn't work. And they've done multi multitudes of studies for decades that showed it didn't work. And I remember coming in here on the show one day that I was going to lay a bunch of these out. And I thought, you know, people are going to be really fired up to hear this. And there was, I mean, there was a group of people, don't get me wrong, that were. But the amount of people that I also heard from that, that said, uh, I mean, how dare you? I mean, like they, they, you know, they wanted this to continue. I, our, my producer, Aaron, early on made what I thought at the time was a brilliant prediction that these lockdowns aren't going to last past the first 15 days. I mean, the amount of decadence and debauchery that goes on in this culture that you are denying people their, their access to. OK, I mean, right. we got to have Pride Month, guys. We can't be taking this stuff away. OK. Um, and and right. so he w I, I thought, you know what, dude, you're right, that eventually the idol of our decadence and debauchery is going to get into our idol of safety 
safety and say the safety was good while it lasted, but the warm weather's here and commenso festival. The opposite happened. People gave up the decadence and debauchery in order to stay home and feel safe. I mean, that there's no way to explain that other than a psychosis, actually, now that you put it that way. And, and, you know, another uh, um, analogy exactly like that, another case of that was the schools. Uh, My view was the regime wants the schools to mold the kids' minds. Right, right. So no, we were the ones trying to reopen no the way. schools. And, yes, yes. And they can't risk having kids go go to homeschooling. Mm-hmm. So of course they're going to change course on this. And when they didn't, I thought, yes, something has gripped them because it's not even in their interest to do this. It's in their interest to get those kids back into the indoctrination factories. You mentioned Sweden. I mean, we would sit here and we had no idea if what Sweden was going to do worked. We followed all the data and stuff in real time. And and I remember saying in those days, you know, it's funny, I, I used to do debates. I did a debate in Wichita, Kansas with a uh, opera with an Occupy Wall Streeter. And Sweden was the answer to all of it. Every time I challenged his assumptions of where uh, what he believed actually has worked in human history, he kept going back to Sweden. You know, and I finally I said to him, if Sweden is so great, why are you here? Why not go live in Sweden? If they're they're the epitome of your belief system, you should try them on for size. So Sweden went from the one they they, they were the one place that we could they could always try to revert to to show that their schemes, uh, their government schemes actually work. And but but the minute Sweden list started listening to Agner's Tegnell instead of uh, the World Health Organization, it was like Sweden. Rectum barely knew him, Tom. I don't even know. I don't even know, I don't know where Sweden is. Is that back? Is that, is, that, is that Sweden back on the bumper, man? I don't even know where it's located. Never heard of the place. I mean, it was amazing. Know, yeah, it is. And and so so Sweden is such a glorious example because I had a chance to visit there uh, partway through all this, and it really was true. I mean, nobody was wearing a mask in 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 Scandinavia in general. Nobody was wearing one. And they were really going about their lives more or less as normal. Uh, the only people I saw wearing masks were Asian immigrants and American tourists. But that that was it. But the, the thing was, we were told, according to the Imperial College model, that by June, they'd have 96,000 deaths. And they had 4,000, so they were off by a factor of 24. But the key thing, I would say, now, look, my book is full of every relentless fact and graph and chart. It's like a sledgehammer on every single page. But if you had to know only two facts that just demolish the other side on this, there are only two you have to absolutely know. One of them is that when all the dust cleared and you look at all the European countries in terms of all-cause mortality, all the deaths and all the trends, Sweden did the best. Now, if you had asked in March 2020, ask any one of these hysterics, if there's a country that just doesn't do this stuff, where do you think it's going to be in terms of outcome? They would have said dead last. Mm -hmm. If it's number one in terms of success, that has to mean you were wrong on some level. The other fact, if I may, Steve, involves the state where I live, Florida. Now, I moved to Florida in 2016. I was lucky. I had no idea what we were in for. And I'm glad that my five daughters were able to, you know, grow up during that period, not in a dystopia. And I'm very grateful to Ron DeSantis for that. But but here's the key thing. I had an interaction with somebody on Twitter, just a random schmo who said at some point in 2021, you know, people are all boasting about the accomplishments of Florida, but I look at their numbers and they seem very average to me. And Steve, my response was, well, first of all, they're not very average. They were far, far above average in terms of how good, well we did. But but I said to him, look, if I had asked you in March 2020, if Florida does the following things, 
what are their results going to be? You would not have said very average. Right. <laughs> you would have said absolutely catastrophic. Mm -hmm. The very fact that even you today concede that they're, quote, very average shows you were wrong. And in fact, the one thing I have a website for the book, diaryofcovid.com. We have a little video on there. And I insisted to my video guy, I have a clip you have to include. This was one of the few times MSNBC asked a tough question to anybody. They had Andy Slavitt on, who was a COVID advisor. And they said, how come California and Florida, when you adjust for age, they're basically doing about the same. I remember this. And California is locked down a stand and Florida yeah. is basically open. What's the explanation? And I thought, oh my gosh, they finally asked the question. Mm -hmm. What's he going to say? Maybe he's got some answer. You know, maybe there's something up there. Mm -hmm. And his answer was, well, you know, we think we understand this virus, but there are a lot of things about it that we just don't understand. And so he admitted, I have no idea, but we have to continue doing all the crazy things. Well, after it all shook out, if you go back and look at all cause mortality, Florida does better than California. Now, again, if you had asked in March 2020, here's California, their policies, here's Florida, their policies, which one's going to do better in all-cause mortality? They all would have said California, and they all would have been wrong. So that means they were wrong. That's it. That's the end of the discussion. How come no one, and I mean no one, with one exception, the aforementioned Ron DeSantis did apologize uh, early on in 2021 to a, uh, a, a hearing of people who's, you know, bar owners and restaurant owners who were closed temporarily in Florida. Uh, he apologized to them for that. Shouldn't have listened. To, he said at all. That's a, that's the only example I can think of of anyone that has shown any empathy or remorse at all for their decisions they made during that time. Um, why? Why do you think that is? The only thing I can think of is the, that famous chapter in Hayek's Road to Serfdom, Why the Worst Get on Top, because unfortunately we are not governed by normal people. I mean, we really are governed by sociopaths who have no normal human empathy. So, the, I mean, you, you remember that we weren't, if, if you even criticized the policies that were being implemented, you were a grandma killer, right, you right. wanted to kill people just so you could get a haircut. Right. And by the way, when Georgia opened in late April, you better believe I got a haircut duck on it. But, <laughs> but you know, you, these are the sorts of things you were told. So by the way, Steve, when I was writing my email newsletter all through this, I would get emails from people whose families were pitted against each other over this, who had lost family members to suicide or, or missed surgeries or whatever. Uh, their, their lifelong work had been destroyed, their savings had been decimated, and they would write to tell me their stories because nobody else would listen because the sociopaths who rule us didn't ca they care about the people, they didn't care about any of these stories. So I do want to add, if I may, that along with this book, I released a companion volume that you get for free at my site uh, called Collateral Damage, in which I asked all these people who wrote to me, would you mind if I collected all your stories that you were not allowed to tell mm -hmm. into a book? Because I don't think anyone's done that. What if we have a book of – because, you know, you, charts and graphs can only tell you so much. I want a book of these real stories from people who just want to be heard. And so that's at diaryofcovid.com. You pick up my book. You get that volume too. And I think, yeah, it's hard to read these stories. They're sad. But we read the stories of totalitarian USSR all the time because we know we need to slog through it because it's important for us to know these things. Well, same thing for these stories that were untellable at the time. I've got about three minutes here. We've had a couple of mechanisms um, recently where the people could have 
determined that they wanted to hold some folks accountable. In 2022, we had a midterm election, and it ended up being, per capita, one of the most incumbent safe midterm elections in American history. Basically, everybody that did the worst things to everybody and was on the ballot in 2022 got reelected. Everything we're suffering from right now in this country economically comes from the decisions made during the during the time of COVID. And yet, you know, we're having a, a process right now where it appears we're going to have an election where the two guys who did this all to us the first time are going to be the only choices you're going to have uh, in the major parties again in the next election. So, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying about the elites and why no one's apologized. What is wrong with the people that they're not demanding any apologies, Tom? Well, again, just as you said earlier, I thought there's no way this is going to go on that long. People are going to revolt. They can't live this way. It's not fit for a human being. So it's not just the politicians. In some case, cases, like even uh, Andrew Cuomo even hinted in a private conversation that some of what he was doing was driven by the fear-mongering of the people. When, when, when Cuomo, I'm not excusing him by any means, but when he reopened New York, people went berserk. No, we can't reopen. You just told us we'd all die if we reopened. So there was, yeah, the people actually, with the internet, you have no excuse, I feel like. You can find independent dissident voices at the click of a mouse, even with the censorship of big tech. You can find them if you want to. If your life means something to you, if the lives of your children mean something to you, you can find those dissident voices. And when when people didn't, and then not only that, they reelected the people who did all this stuff to them. It it really really it 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 lowered my estimation of mankind. And so I will say, a lot of times I know we're running out of time, but a lot of times our side wants to talk wants to start the story at chapter 37 about the sinister forces running the world. But where we're going to have to get people is where they are right now, which is chapter one, and tell them simply, none of it worked. Start there. None of this worked. Mm -hmm. And it it ruined people. It decimated the developing world. Uh, They they were eating rats and snakes in Myanmar for nothing. It accomplished nothing. That's where I'm starting is just right there to see if there's still anybody who's reachable with ordinary evidence. It's very well said. Diary of a Psychosis is the name of the book. How public health diagnosed i'm sorry how public health digressed or disgraced itself during covid mania and you want to make sure you check out the website diaryofcovid.com diaryofcovid.com excellent stuff tom thank you brother for your work and and again for the kind words i appreciate it thank you my pleasure steve thanks so much for having me you bet all right we got about a minute here gentlemen your thoughts on the conversation we just had with tom well i was thinking about what he closed with the entire time he was talking that the psychosis didn't start with COVID, our psychosis was deeply entrenched, which is why it worked on us. Thinking we wouldn't stand for this, if we weren't, we weren't, we, we weren't, and we haven't been free for a very long time. And not because of anything the government did to us, but we do to ourselves. The so-called right, whatever it is, how different does it really look day to day from anybody else? The church, we've talked about this. How different does it really look in anything it says or does? We are not free we have we are attached to chains that we've happily put on ourselves and that's exactly why this happened we can complain about terrible people in government all they want but we were prepped for this and we prepped ourselves for it we're spiritually obese we are um comfortably obese we are um civically obese we're just 
were just full of poison. I mean, everyone was and is just in our comfort, in our largesse, and that obesity is going to, spiritually speaking, it's going to, it's going to, to wreak havoc and continue to do so. And that's what it, that's basically what COVID was on all forms of things. Excellent segue to Theology Thursday, which is coming up next. Stay tuned. here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace here with todd erzin aaron mcintyre and all of you and you can let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab you can follow me at steve dace show on twitter get our instagram and TikTok. If you love the show and you listen to the podcast, please, if you don't mind, leave us a five-star review. Thank you to all of you who have. We're hoping to get, on iTunes anyway, over 10,000 of these. I mean, if you add up what we've got on all the platforms, we're well over that. But iTunes is where the majority of podcast audience is. We'd love to get over 10,000 of those this year. We're roughly approaching 9,500. So thank you guys for all of those. We are very humbled and appreciative and uh, Hopefully we keep reaching new people that think the show is worth those five-star reviews. So those keep going. Also, if you want to make sure that you keep going with the show, uh, hit subscribe. Or if you are on iTunes, follow. And that way, every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed every single time. If you were just listening to the interview we did with Tom Woods and you're like, I want to hear more about that book and his work. uh, It's Diary of COVID, Aaron, correct? Diaryofcovid.com. The name of the book is Diary of uh, Psychosis, correct? Yes. Diary of a Psychosis. The website. Yep. is diaryofcovid.com. Diaryofcovid.com is where you want to go. That's diaryofcovid.com. Um, let's get going with Theology Thursday. Yeah, because I, I think, man... <laughs> now, I could say that this is prophetic timing, but the truth of the matter is, given the era in which we live and what we're talking about every day, Is there any point in time that we would have chosen to do the Know Thy Enemy nefarious Bible study that chapter three, Know the Lies, would not have seemed like a direct parallel to what we were just talking about? You know what I'm saying? No, completely. Because I was was about to say, well, this is, you know, either serendipitous, maybe even providential Mm -hmm. timing, but when would it not be, given the era in which we are? When when would it not be? Evergreen. Yeah, a, a direct corollary here. All right. But... We have been uh, going through the the Bible study that uh, we started uh, with Nefarious, uh, written by Dr. Jeremiah Johnston at, Pl- at Preston Wood Baptist and myself. If you want to order your copy, it's available right now on Amazon.com. In fact, if you go to whoisnefarious.com, uh, you can also uh, get the Bible study and a license, a group license. If your small group, your church group wants to watch the movie together as well, you can do all of that right now at whoisnefarious.com. That's whoisnefarious.com. You 
can buy the just the Bible study. Maybe you've already got the movie. I know a lot of you do. If you want to just get a copy of the Bible study and you're like, okay, I, I want to catch up. That's what's great about podcasts. You can go back and listen to the last couple of Thursdays. They're still available at Amazon right now. It's called Know Thy Enemy, a Nefarious Bible Study. And it's kind of uh, an introductory course into spiritual warfare. And inside each of these books is a code that will allow you to have access to the videos that uh, Dr. Johnston and I put together for all of these chapters. They're all very engaging, highly produced by 110 Productions. And uh, we are acting as if we've already played the video in a small group setting. If we played the videos, they're all around 15, 20 minutes. It would just take up too much of the segment, so we wouldn't have time to talk. So we're assuming that the, as we begin the conversation that the video in a small group setting, you watch the video first, the video's already played, and so that's where we begin our discussion every week. So chapter three, or session three, Know the Lies, let's start with the video. And what Dr. Jeremiah Johnson and I had to say, gentlemen, that stood out to you. Well, this is the the clip from the movie is the that's my boy scene, which I mean, what a good movie, Steve. I mean, what a good movie. Uh, I remember the first time I watched that scene in um, in the rough cut. Yeah. And I I mean, I was just enthralled and moved and. And I thought, wow, this movie is going to be a lot better than we had ever hoped it could be, is is what I thought when I saw this scene. And it's in, it's so great because that that's not in a moment where James isn't trying to put his best foot forward. He tells him that's my boy when James is trying to put his best foot forward, giving him all the collected wisdom that he's had and how he's lived his life. Which is ultimately where Pastor Jeremiah says, how do, how do we let that in? Where we come, become so confident in our garbage and our nonsense. And in the case of Edward, starts off with Ouija boards. But th- this conversation has to go right back to where Aaron talked about how we are obese. It's... Ouija boards are have always been, as Steve, since going back to. I mean, when did they came out? We were in our youth, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the first time I ever heard of a Ouija, they're older than that. Uh, the first time I ever heard of a Ouija, a Ouija board was the first time I saw The Exorcist as a as a. Uh, I was about twelve, mm-hmm. and then the next I didn't, and then the next time there was a movie called uh, Witchboard. That was that was out when I was a freshman in mm-hmm. high school. I want to say maybe an eighth grader, but you know when I was a little kid, I had no idea what they were. Yeah. But it's clearly it's everybody understood whether you believe it or not. You're dabbling in something a little after dark, mm-hmm. right? And before that, before that's the, Ouija, the allure of it. Yeah. Before the Ouija board, though, there's like a st- stole a toy car in the movie or something like mm-hmm. that. To get, but again, illegal. But. We need to go beyond that, though, to what Aaron talked about. The, they're not, the lies we tell ourselves as people right now, as comfort people of the West, that get us, also get us to become James. All right? Because, listen, we are told to go out as men and subdue the earth. We are as passive a people 
in terms of the male side of the species as ever before in history just sitting there on your couch the opposite of doing and and we and we think that's the good life we've told ourselves so many lies about how we are uh in ter in terms of um men and status in this culture so we don't have to, to be talking we shouldn't even be talking about ouija boards they're a good vehicle within a movie where you have a limited amount of time but we're going to do a real diagnostic on who we are and how we come james it's because we we are not connected to our physicality and our nature like all of mankind has been before this we have forfeited that we are far too passive in that regard. And we are a mind, body, soul people. And just on that front, just how we acquiesce to not wanting to be bothered physically, I think is, a, is, a, is one place to start in this conversation and how we become the Jameses of the world. And it, it, it's not that egg-headed PhD. Don't tell yourself that. Don't tell yourself that. That's one path to getting there as well. But you got your own list of problems on who just simply won't be bothered and that's most people there's a lot of people more people who spent who are couch jockeys than they are phds and they're still every bit as lost and given over to the darkness so tying this in with the bible study um now a little bit i had a little bit of a, a light bulb <clears throat> moment on a couple of different fronts in watching the video going through this segment or this section of, of the Bible study as well. And it occurs to me a number of things that are written out here about uh, what the Bible says about dabbling in the dark arts, if you will, the darkness. And Moses in Deuteronomy identifies several, several manifestations or several varieties of dabbling with that darkness. Child sacrifice, we all understand that abortion is not just abortion, it's not a tonsillectomy, it is a baby killing, murdering a baby, sacrificing a child to the idol of yourself, really, at the end of the day, to the idol of comfort, to the idol of career. It's no different than the, the days of old, divination, fortune telling, interpreting omens, sorcery. I wanna get back to that, casting spells, consulting the dead. Now, some of these, all of these, I'm sure to this day, are overtly practiced as they were in the ancient world or even just in the, the Dark Ages, Middle Ages. I'm sure that still goes on. But boy, howdy, it, it really occurred to me in reading this that these are just manifested a la baby murder. These are manifested in different ways. Sorcery. Witches and sorcerers attempted to manipulate the powers of nature. Today, we often refer to those who practice black magic in a similar way. And this is what occurred to me, a, a modern manif manifestation of ancient sorcery. What I'm about to say, you're, you're probably going to agree with, but we're going to get maybe a little bit more uncomfortable here in a few moments. You know what occurred to me as a ginormous worldwide occult movement that's happening a sorcerer's movement that's happening right now, and it's been going on my entire life. Manipulating nature. It's the climate cult. They are just occultists. They think that they can harness and control nature. They're flipping the double bird to God by doing so. 
it's not just a bunch of misinformed young people. It's not just a bunch of communists who, if they had their way with their policies, would result in mass starvation and mass casualties if they had their way with their policies. It really is, it really is a cultic movement, an occultic movement. They believe they can harness nature. Now, something I think that manifests itself, sorcery, that manifests itself a little differently is in our medical decisions. One in particular that popped into my head, and we brought this up on the show a few times as well, and I've changed my thinking on this um, to boot. Sorcery. How do we practice? What what are maybe um, um, approved forms of sorcery, trying to harness and control nature? Well, don't want any more kids because I just don't want any more kids. Well, uh, snip, snap, snip, snap. Or tubes tied. Now, if there's a medical reason, maybe we can we can talk about that. But the vast majority of saying, hey, I'm done with kids. What are you actually saying there? What are you actually saying? I don't want any more kids. Well, the Bible says that children are a blessing and a heritage from the Lord. And so what you're saying is, no, I'm going to harness and control nature in my own way. Just for the simple reason of I don't want more kids. That's one way. And then there's this question. I don't know if you wanted to get to this later, Steve, but kind of tying you're, this. You're on a roll, brother. I'm not, I'm not saying a word. Go ahead. What makes paranormal, paranormal practices so dangerous and destructive? That's question four in this, in this chapter. Well, of course, one area, and this is addressed a little bit, is that you are just opening yourself up to the darkness. That's, that's one thing. But ultimately, I, I believe it's a manifestation. I've used that word several times here. It's a manifestation, whether it looks ancient or whether it's a new modern manifestation of, of whether it's baby killing or sorcery through the climate or sorcery through medical decisions. Ultimately, it's just a new version of the oldest lie, which is ye be like God. That's what opening yourself up to the paranormal, opening yourself up to the sorcery, opening yourself up to the, I think, the seven or eight categories that Moses identifies in Deuteronomy. That's, that's the real danger is that you are falling for and declaring yourself like God. That is the biggest, I believe, the biggest danger. Absolutely. Control, control, control. Yes. I will control. So, yeah. See, where are all... Ye be like God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will ascend. I will be like yes. the Most High. And so the climate cultists, as radical <laughs> as they look and seem, and uh, again, we, we are... The normies are also climate cultists. The normies are all, you talk about, um, you know, the, the, we talk about butchering uh, children in the name of uh, uh, transgenderism and things like that. But what about, we have to go way back. This is my point about beyond even Ouija boards at the beginning. What is the real beginning for most people, for the normies? Control, control, control on climate. I'm telling you, 24-7 heating and air conditioning, always perfect. Always perfect in control. Never uncomfortable. That's what most normies, not a weed, that's their Ouija board. On medicine, it doesn't have to get all the way to the butchery. I, I've got a little bit of a headache. Take a pill. Right away, gotta be comfortable. Gotta be comfortable. Never analyzing things like nutrition, diet, things like that. The, the, they're all Ouija boards, if we let them be. Because there's no introspection. 
if it just becomes about you controlling everything, Aaron is exactly right. Whether you think it that way or not, by default, you're saying, I will be like a god. You will not humble yourself. You will think you can control everything. Doesn't that sound like the West these days? It's a vast Rube Goldberg machine. And it's not supposed to be that way. This society, quite frankly, look at all the complexity. We were so damn proud of ourselves. We are as lost and confused as ever before. And because we think, because we're at the end of history, we've talked about this before, we don't have to put everything through the prism of God anymore. All kinds of Christians these days would, would think that's the most bizarre thing I just said. Heating and air conditioning, of course. It... Everything will be the whisper of the devil if we do not first put it through the prism of God. Everything. I think the biggest mistake that even Christians make, one of the biggest mistakes, anyway, there's a lot of mistakes. We could spend all day talking about mistakes, but I think one of the biggest mistakes, and it's kind of, it ties in with C.S. Lewis's uh, work in the screw tape letters, big, you know, um, you know, emphasizing the spiritual world too much or uh, the demonic too much versus not paying it any mind at all. I I think one of the biggest mistakes, and you started drilling down into that, Todd, is thinking that what we're talking about here with the paranormal, with the demonic realm, that is in a separate category from our modern world. Right. No. Everything that you just listed, Todd, is just a modern version of an ancient evil. Mm. That's just... That's the bottom Absolutely. line. And we we divorce somehow. We divorce that ancient evil. We're, like you said, we're at the end of history. We've progressed beyond that. No, it's I think that Jonathan Kahn book. What was the name of that book? Return of the Gods. Return of the Gods. Yeah. That you're also echoing what, what, a lot of what Mark Driscoll has said the last couple yes. of years. New age, old demons, yes, basically. Yeah. It's the same. I mean, are, are we essentially saying here that this these are... And, or I've put it a, a certain way in, on, in you know in, in history during my show, the enemy just resets the greatest hits album every generation. Yeah. You know, so now we do take it to an extreme when we find a demon under a doily. You've heard me say that term before. I remember growing up in an independent. It was I think it was a fundamentalist church. We had a speaker come in a couple of times. And it was fun because he had a projector and he had slides and things like that. And he tried to make the case that the Dairy Queen logo was demonic. No, that's that's an extreme, but we do ourselves a disservice when we completely categorically divorce those ancient evils from what we're seeing. Yeah, I mean, in fact, if you go, if you even look at why, just to just to help reinforce a point that frankly doesn't need reinforcing, because you guys both um, absolutely crushed that. But what was the purpose, often, of sacrificing your children to demons? whether they were called Chemosh or Molech or uh, whatever, you know, was the, was the de- was the demon false God du jour yeah. in, in your era uh, or time in history to make it rain, to it's guarantee a harvest, weather, better crops, yeah. Yeah, better weather, better control of the, of natural forces yes. uh, that my wife would be fertile. Give me a son. Okay. Um, uh, so this would, these were attempts to, again, harness, natural forces by a supernatural paranormal means yeah so there is there's this is nothing new no nothing new whatsoever nothing new and the one true god does not say i'm only here during the perfect times right he says quite the opposite right. see we're trying and we're trying to push that away out of our consciousness we just we don't want it we don't understand 
that the cross is our salvation. I mean, it's, I'm Catholic. It's right there in front of me every Sunday. Catholics are without excuse. That pain, that suffering through that is all of the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's it. But you can't tell your average Christian from anybody else. They want the same house. They want the same car. They want the same comfort. They want the same Netflix and chill. They were just as scared as anybody else during COVID. They're no damn different, and they were without excuse. Yeah, I think what I'm trying to communicate here is that we think of we we think of the paranormal. We think of the de- 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 demonic realm as this dark, evil aesthetic. You know, Universal just announced their new Epic Universe Park in Orlando this week. They have a new world within that park where they're tapping into some of their some of their uh, kind of old old timey uh, horror uh, yeah, characters. Boris Karloff, yeah, Bela Lugosi, it, it Lon looks really cool. Stuff. Yeah. But some of the renderings they have that horror aesthetic, you know, uh, in, in that world. We, we have this tendency to to kind of put the paranormal and and the demonic realm in this aesthetic. It's just an aesthetic. It's just something that we kind of see, kind of a style. What I'm trying to communicate is that we all, we all must resist. We all do, and we must resist dabbling in that, from what Todd was saying. And the main thing in the West right now is comfort. We're all dabbling in this. We are. It's just that our margin, you know, you see at the end of a poll, sorry, I'm not citing a specific poll, I'm just saying polls in general, a little thing at the bottom of the poll, capital N, lowercase o, capital E, margin of error, plus or minus three and a half percent, something like that. We have a tremendous margin for evil here in the West because of our comfort and because of our wealth that we don't even allow ourselves to open up to open up our minds to the possibility that things we just take for granted might not actually be all on the up and up at least not if they're done uh, as Todd was saying with air conditioning heating in the in the winter if that is just all in the pursuit of comfort if our existence is all just the pursuit of comfort we are dabbling in the occult we are dabbling in the paranormal and that's it may not look like the aesthetic that's presented in pop culture but it's true Last night, I had um, I had a chance to go up to Iowa State University, and I, I spoke up there uh, to their Students for Life chapter. And uh, afterwards, talked to several of the young people there. Guys, man, I, I felt so old. <laughs> I did. I've got kids these young people's ages now. Everyone there is old enough to get married, have a baby, go to war, vote. I mean, and they looked to me like they were 12 years old, you know? Um, but it was a pretty full class, pretty full uh, auditorium uh, or classroom. Um, I was pleasantly surprised how many kids were willing to come out uh, with uh, being committed to life, you know, on a weeknight, on a school night, winter time, you know. And after I got done, I had a chance to talk to several of the kids. And the the last young man I spoke to came up to me, and he said, you know. Uh, the church I belong to, we watched Nefarious. I never brought Nefarious up when I was speaking uh, to the group. He came up to me and he goes, the church I go to, we watched Nefarious, man. And we were absolutely blown away. And he started asking me about, you know, some of the things he had heard went on. Particularly, he asked me what happened when we were attempting to film the uh, special features on the DVD for Nefarious. And we, we filmed those last April while we were all in Dallas because we were all together. Uh, 
And we, uh, you know, we, we went, we spared no expense with that. I mean, we made it as high, high end as we possibly could and put um, as many VIPs and cast and crew into uh, this five-store resort hotel in Dallas as we possibly could. And that's where we filmed a lot of these special features. So it's a very nice facility. And uh, I, I was mentioning to him, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the story. And just a quick aside, if you haven't heard this story, we spent hours that day trying to film the special features. And we just could not get the equipment to consistently work no matter what we did. We looked at everything we could look at electronically, naturally with our engineers. They couldn't explain it. So finally, I can't remember if it was Carrie or it was Chuck. One of them remembered that, uh, well, we have Father Martin's over at his, you know, he's over at his room. We flew him in to give the uh, invocation for the, for the, um, the premiere tonight. So like, let's just have him come in and, you know, we've, we've exhausted everything natural. Let's see if something supernatural is happening. And uh, Father Martins comes in and uh, we start asking, start telling him, hey, here's what's going on. You know, you know, could you maybe try blessing the room, basically? And he interrupts us and says, could you, you guys hear that? And we're like, no, you guys don't hear that? He goes, he points to the wall over to the left and goes, what's on the other side of this wall? And we're like, well, I'll presume it's another suite. It's another room, you know? He goes, there is a woman on the other side of this wall whispering curses into this room. I can hear. And I mean, it just blew our minds. And he did something there, okay, uh, some form of blessing and rebuke of her. And then we just filmed the rest of our material in no time at all. We got all the special features done for the DVD right after that, you know. And, and, and I, I told that story to that young, young man, and I just mentioned it, it makes the hair in the back of my neck kind of stand up. Amy and I are driving home, and uh, we are also doing a, uh, a Bible uh, reading in a year. I've not done one in several years, so I thought I'm going to do another one this year. And I'm almost to the end of Leviticus, okay? And so that means I've gone through Exodus and Leviticus now. And how many times have you either heard or said yourself, I have said this many times, I mean, these people are looking at manifest, supernatural manifestations of God's power. They're living through them. And yet, they get up the next morning, curse God, blaspheme, chase after demons. And how many times have you thought, man, if I were alive at that time, and God was clearly demonstrating for me to see with my, to see, hear, feel, touch, taste with my five senses who he really is and what he's really about these people are terrible they're dumb there's no way i'd I'd turn out like them right how many times have you heard that or have you said that yourself i've said it myself and i said to amy i i I, as as we were driving home i thought about that after i after i recounted this this story to this young man one of many we all have one of many supernatural stories we all have surrounding the making and release of this film and the aftermath. And yet, I lived through this. I experienced some of this in my own life. I saw it with my own eyes. I, I, I heard the stories from others involved in the production with my own ears, if, if, even if, they, if, if there were moments that I was not privy to. And yet, I am... Just prone to, you know, I left, that was like 10 years ago and I'm 
focused on what I got to do and the issues of this world and what I think and what my priorities are, right? Mm -hmm. Despite the level of spiritual warfare that I'm going to, from my perspective, God blessed me to witness on both sides. Many days go by where that's just not even in my memory bank. It's not, it's not, I'm not even thinking about it. And, and yet I, and, and, and no, I would not do better than them. No, I, I would, I would, I would not be like, well, you know, God did this pillar of cloud and, uh, you know, by day and pillar of fire by night. I'm good. I'm good here. I don't need anything else. Seen enough. Nope. I wouldn't because I, I watched God supernaturally act to get this film made. I watched God have people we did not know email us, call us. Hey, you don't know me. I want to help. Okay. I mean, I, I watched him do this. I saw him do it. And most days I don't even think about it. I'm just fixated on what's going on in my own life and what I got to do on a daily basis. We're not any better than them. We're not. We're, we're, we are, which means we are also prone to seek out these answers, these deep cosmic answers we all need to fill the God-shaped hole in the heart. In any era, we are prone to fall for the same traps and the same, same old demons as any other era before us. Perhaps more prone when this plays out in the movie. Because of our comfort, we have let all of human history. There was there was far more cause for lamentation and desperation in most people's lives. That has been stripped out. I, th- th- which is why the the scene in the movie where James lays out how pr- the, the prog- how proud he is of progressivism and all mm-hmm. the accomplishments he's made. That's what he's talking about. Look at how we've transcended. And nefarious Look belly laughs. Yes. yes. And he, yeah. So it, in many ways it's worse because we, amongst a comfortable people, a comfortable church, okay, we just have everything in order. We control everything. There's a, 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 a lot of people get well, before they've experienced death in any way, Look how old a lot of people are these days. That's a blessing if you get up every day with a sense of worship. But if you don't, that can become a curse just like anything else. You do not reconcile yourself to the realities of the universe. When when I was 10 years old, I, there was a movie came out. I loved the film called Cocoon. Yeah. Do you remember how old Wilford Brimley looked in that movie? He's like our age right now, isn't I, he? You and I are both older than he was both when Cocoon came out. Nice. You and I are both older than that. Feeling it. Just to, just to kind of go to your point. All right, we'll come back. Three non-political questions are next. You ever tried to break a bad habit and it felt like you were trying to climb Mount Everest? Yeah, we've all been there. But there's a breath of fresh air. It's called Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. So instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavor. So you get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit you're free 
to enjoy. And it makes replacing your bad habit easier. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting that gives your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for distressing and anxiety while you're breaking your bad habit as well. Uh, Plus, Fume just released a magnetic stand for your fume, so there's no more losing it around the house. It's built with fidgeting in mind. You can spin your fume around on it as well. So start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com dot com slash steve and getting their journey pack today fume is giving our listeners uh, here and viewers 10 percent off if you do use the code steve when you go there uh again tryfume.com slash steve f-u-m i should say is how fume is spelled f as in frank f-u-m tryfume.com slash steve and use the promo code steve for 10 percent off promo code steve 10 percent off at tryfume.com slash steve it is time for three non-political questions we all have questions who am i why am i here where am i going who am i a search and a question of identity why am i here a question of meaning and purpose where am i going question of destiny some better than others what sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop injecting some levity into the demise of western civilization it's three questions on the steve day show and there she is our oldest very pregnant daughter anastasia good to see you sweetheart how are you good good officially hit the stage where i'm reorganizing things that don't need to be reorganized and Every day, Stephen, my husband, comes home and is looking around for things. Something's new. <laughs> he's he's a little lost in the home, and I get a little <laughs> lost because I forget. What's this <laughs> so, called? It's called nesting, if I remember right. Yes. Right. Your mom did it too. Did did your wife do that? Oh, Todd? of course. Yeah. Yeah. Every woman told me I was going to get. What to about that Bella? Stage. Did she do this to you too, Aaron? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, nah. But Stephen comes home. And he's like, why did you move the shoes out of the front closet? They just didn't fit. Autumn's not going to like them there. <laughs> That's just how it, so it's like this Didn't weird. Didn't feel right. Didn't feel right. It's like this yeah. weird stage that you go through and then you kind of sit down and then you kind of think to yourself like there was really no purpose in anything I just did, but I'm too tired and my back hurts to move it back now. So it's too late. How many more days? Days? Yep. Um, I mean, we're at like 30 something days. I'm at 35 weeks now. So we're about less than five weeks away. How do you think Steven is ready? Think he's ready for go time? Think he's gonna this is a guy that has carried a gun and walked the streets of Baghdad. Do you think he is prepared for this? He's very ready. He's way more ready than I am. Is he? Yeah. Okay. Right. He's he's great, honestly. He's super great. I don't think I could have done this whole experience without him. Well, there's a well, lot of truth to that, obviously, <laughs> but yes. But you understand what I'm saying. I do, yes. Um so you think when the, when it's go time, you think Remember how I used to do this to your mom when, when you were yeah. little and you used to make her mad? I'm not mad. Look, I'm flatlined. Is he good? Is he good? Is he straight? He'll be good. It's like him and I both have this habit, though, when we both get super stressed, we like laugh out of like nervousness. Mm-hmm. So the other night, like I was like, oh, my stomach's just starting to hurt a little bit. And he's like, <laughs> and then I'm like, don't laugh. And yeah. he's like, I'm not laughing. I'm like, don't laugh. Don't laugh. <laughs> so it's like, and it's this weird moment because it's our first. So we don't know what to right. like any you know. little twinge. I'm like. I'm like, she's, is this it? she's is this coming. It? Yeah. <laughs> it's right now. Yeah. <laughs> so, but no, he's been my rock through this whole thing. So. Oh, good. That's what he's supposed to be. That's, that's what daddy wants to hear. Good. All right. You got non-political questions for us. Let's rock and roll. All right. So my first question for you guys. So in light of what's been going on with Alistair Begg and the fact that spiritual warfare is at an all time high, 
What is one tip that you would give people as they seek out a new church or maybe doing an audit of their own? I would absolutely, if you, I, I would absolutely listen to the messages first myself. I would, I would, I'd, I'd either go and find a series and listen to several in a row or just randomly pick a few from, you know, different periods of time. I, I would, I would, you know, the old uh, Shakespeare, uh, the line from Hamlet, the plays, the thing in which you'll catch the conscience of the king. Uh, if we could paraphrase it, um, what is said from the pulpit is the thing in which you'll catch the conscience of the king. Uh, you can put anything you want in your branding. You can put anything you want uh, on your website. Okay. Um, where you're really going to see the rubber hit the road is what is what is said and preached from the pulpit. I, I would absolutely want to listen to several samples of that before I went. That would be a piece of advice that I would give. What about you guys? Just talk to the pastor. If you, this is for new church, you know, listen to the sermons. Yeah, but go talk to the pastors. Just ask them, hey, you comment on cultural things. Do you um, provide guidance for your flock uh, on uh, contemporary issues that they may face in their lives? When was the last time you did that? You don't have to be confrontational about it. You just, just go and ask them. And if they if they react and kind of recoil and like, what well, was this guy? I've never met him. He's asking me about these things. Then. Uh, that should be a red flag. And if they answer your questions, then that's probably a good thing. But that's that's. And then as far as an audit of your own church, you know, um, I if they're wel welcoming in third parties, make sure you know the background of those third parties, whether it's to speak or at conferences or things mm -hmm. like that, or whether it's a curriculum. That's a great point. Um, yeah. Make sure you um, make sure you kind of do background. <laughs> Routine background checks yep. on uh, on those materials, and then it could be that they may not know uh, the background of 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 certain third parties, and you know you can lovingly remind them of that as well. For example, if a guy named Preston Sprinkle shows up on your uh, uh, shows up on the yeah. the speaker docket, uh, there's actually that's, that's one funny, you're going to want to ask about. It's funny you okay. ask this, Anna. I was going down to pick up Benjamin from my parents' house in Southern Iowa yesterday afternoon. And I passed this bus, and it was all adorned like a campaign bus, and it was Vote Common Good. Have you ever heard of this organization? No. It's called Vote Common Good. And um, I looked up this organization, and it, its entire purpose is to connect with Catholic and evangelical voters um, to basically, basically uh, progressivize them. That's basically their entire mission. Now, it's all cloaked in flowery language, but vote common good. If if there's something with your church that that's connected with that, that's just a complete and total subversive organization from all the research I did. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe one contemporary group. I don't know how pervasive they are, but they had a random bus in southern Iowa on I-35. Todd? Well, I think church websites these days can be pretty interesting and you know spend spend a month looking at the websites and what they highlight what best bells and whistles they push forward depending on the issues of the news of the day and just how it's for example like when loris college here just went all blm it totally unnecessary you could talk about uh racial politics and the gospel all you want to you do not the you do not need 
the uh, appendix chapter uh, of BLM. It, it brought nothing other than uh, distraction. And when I pointed that out to them, I got blocked from their uh, website. So you want to see if they just get all into the the sacred bells and whistles du jour that the, the the spirit of the age says you have to press. And then beyond that, just like... I'll, I'll be amazed on some when I'm out of town or something, and I used to be out of town in the mass and soccer stuff with my daughters. I always attend mass every Sunday, no matter where. How hard it is to find the mass schedule. Like, that's actually the main thing. So it's just general stuff like that. Okay. Question two. So what is a piece of parenting advice that you ignored but wished that you had taken? <sighs> I was constantly told when you guys were little, enjoy it, it goes by fast. And um, I would like to think, and, and when you were little, I didn't, it, does, it doesn't seem like it goes by fast. When you guys hit like 12, 13, especially when you hit high school, it, that, 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 that period of time goes by in like five minutes, it feels like, you know? And, um, and I, I tried to do my best with that. You know, we did a lot of stuff together as a family. We, we did daddy-daughter dates, you know. Um, I gave Noah his, uh, as much due time as I could. I was also in the midst of building a business from scratch, a, a show from nothing. You know, when we left WHO um, in 2011, I mean, you were only 10 years old at that time. Your brother and sister were much younger, you know. And so I, I, I you know, I had some seed money to build it, but we had no means to build it. I literally had to build this by God's grace from nothing. Had I walked away, I walked away from the largest media platform in our home state where I probably could have worked the rest of my life to take a risk that we could, by God's grace, build a even bigger platform from nothing, from complete scratch. And it took much longer to do than I would have ever guessed. Frankly, if someone had told me it would have taken us, you know, seven years to cash flow, I probably would have said there's no way I could justify that, I, either to my family or my investors, but that's how long it took. And so I've, I've got that responsibility on the side you know, and owning the business is not the same as just doing the show where there was a certain amount of, you know, you knew when dad was on the air and his show was over, he came home. You know, th th there were added duties owning it than just doing the show. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I want to tell myself I did everything I could to maximize the time I had with the three of you when I had that time. And I took that advice to heart. But that is the thing that I'm, that's the, that is the one, that is the one thing I, I, I'm constantly asking myself or as I watch you guys grow up and stuff now is, did I maximize that time? Did I truly understand how fast it was going to go by? You know, um, I mean, it, it almost feels like I can barely even remember like 2013 mm -hmm. or 2014, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I can't even, I mean, I was, no, I was here and we did like 200 some odd shows, but I barely can remember them, you know? And, um, and yet I can remember the moments when you guys were little, which were longer ago than that. Very, very clearly. So that's the thing that, that I would encourage you with and any other would be or young parents in the audience is, you know, 
when you have the time, maximize that time. That's the one thing I worry about is did I really, did I really internalize that and used all the time that I really had as best as I could? Uh, this used to annoy me a little bit, but it wasn't just, it, I'm, I'm going to pick on you, Steve, a, a little bit, but it wasn't just you. When people who were in different stages of life that than I was in would say, uh, like when I was single, just wait till you're married, yeah, da, 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 da. wait till you have kids, da, 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 da. wait till you have multiple kids, da, 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 da. it used to annoy me because like what do you have some sort of gnostic special knowledge that the rest of aren't, us aren't privy to uh, those people are about batting a thousand so when somebody who's in a different stage of life says wait until fill in the blank and then fill in the blank will happen so far those people are batting 1000 once that thing specifically that both bella and i wish we would have looked into more uh, especially in the immediate aftermath of having our first uh, Benjamin was uh, kind of newborn behavior and sleep, sleep schedules. And uh, we did not know what to do. We did not. No, nobody does that first week. No parents really do the first couple of weeks. No, nobody sleeps a ton, but we didn't know how to get him to sleep. Uh, so that look into that as much as you can. Todd, quickly. I don't I totally nailed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay, question number three, last one. What is something that you and your significant other do to stay connected that you think every couple should do? Um, Aside from the obvious? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Your mom and I started this a few years ago, and I think it's been very helpful, you know, because um, we've always gone, been a family that goes all out for Christmas as much as we can. And then... After Christmas, your mom and I take a couple of days and just go get a hotel room, not usually that very far from here, and just um, to get a break from the, the busyness of the holidays, any, any movies that we haven't seen that we want to go see. Uh, we have a big annual business meeting planning out you know, the rest of the year to make sure we at least have a framework of where we both are and we're on the same page and we get some alone time and couple time in the middle of the you know, the holidays when there's so much going on, I would, that's been very good. I would highly recommend other people do that if you can. So that would be my suggestion. Todd. Just from a, a guy's uh, perspective, you know, you just, there's so in our life, so much coming and going uh, and lots of things uh, on the calendar. So you're used to having conversations about a, a bunch of things on the go. Um, uh, and my wife is good at that within context, but I, 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 I've had to learn and I have to be very, like there, there are times though, when the conversation with her just has to be the conversation and you just need to listen and you can't be on your phone. You can't be doing anything else that that level of connection for her is really, really important. And it's not something I need in return. I do need other things in return, but in that you just like, sometimes you can be doing, I can, I can be on my phone doing work and listening to her and you accomplish what needs to be done. But other times it's just like, you'd, she needs to see and hear that you, you're hearing every word and you're paying attention. And that that's a deep matter of respect to her. And, and I think you, you need to learn exactly what that is for her and you need to honor it, whether you even understand it or not, because that doesn't matter. You do it because you love her. 
when there are opportunities to laugh, take them. <laughs> That's good, too. We laugh a lot, sometimes at ourselves, sometimes with ourselves. Um, but uh, neither of us takes each other too seriously. And that means that we have a lot of fun. Uh, I, I still have a lot of fun. Uh, with with Bella. Now, we've been married for four years, uh, so I, I should hope that's the case. But uh, we have a lot of laughter and a lot of fun together. Those are both great suggestions, I thought, guys. What did you think? I, I resonate with what Todd says because I'm a lot like you in that, where I can be doing something else and listening at the same time. Like I just was a minute ago. Yeah, like Steven's like, do you know what I said? And I'm like, da 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 I did that to your mom for years and, <laughs> and she it hated it every single time. Yes. He's like, put your phone away. So that is something that I do need to work on. <laughs> that would help us a lot. <laughs> Let me just apologize to you now for all the things you're going to do that he will be annoyed by because you learned them all from me. <laughs> Thank you. Apologize to him. Oh, I probably should. <laughs> um, but I already gave him one of my most valuable assets, you. So uh, he should be uh, he should be uh, thankful, if you ask me. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. We're going to stick around here and do overtime and uh, be back here tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck for the rest of you. Until then, Romans 828. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.